With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Charles Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Forever and alongside me is Logan Camden. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, enjoyed some family food and football as they say. And we had some more football today, so we're going to be talking about all of that Week 12 action starting with the same old story, just a slightly different edition, Logan. The Buffalo Bills this year are truly cursed and find a way to just break my heart and boggle my mind almost every week. Lose what a lot of people are calling the game of the year to the Eagles. What did you take away from this? Well, the Buffalo Bills certainly are cursed, Carson. Yeah. Uh, Yep. For a long time, you know, it was rumored that the city of Buffalo was eternally cursed because former President William McKinley uh, was assassinated in the city of Buffalo. That's why they lost four consecutive Super Bowls and are, uh, I guess their fans are just eternally in football purgatory. Yeah, Carson, there's no way the Buffalo Bills should have lost this football game. You know, it's like uh, it's like in the Avengers, man, when... Uh, Doctor Strange comes up with all the different realities. Mm, in mm-hmm. any reality that Doctor Strange entered, the Buffalo Bills should not have lost this game. This is a Josh Allen masterclass, and if we're looking this on the scope of quarterback performance individually, this is one of the greatest quarterback performances I've ever watched in a loss. Maybe ever. Like I, Josh put the team on his back completely yeah. in this game. He was excellent situationally and on third downs. It was a surgical Josh game where he was picking the defense apart and the play extension, not just scrambling and running on the ground too, but buying time in the pocket. I mean, it's one of the best – that's what's so frustrating about this. It's one of the best games I've ever seen played by a quarterback, and he lost. Yeah. uh, He really makes one mistake. It's the Josh late interception to Bradbury, and like I said, man, I mean, there's just no way they should have lost this game. Going into the final drive in regulation, the fact that you luck out, you get two – Jason Kelsey penalties that backs it up to a 61-yard field goal through the rain, through the wind. Jake Elliott is ice, bangs it through. Okay, whatever. We get the coin toss. It's heads. 
Let's march down there. Let's get a TD. We got the momentum. They march all the way down there, and I don't know how that happens. I'm so frustrated with Gabe Davis. I'm even more frustrated that Tony Romo and Jim Nance want to, big game Gabe, big game Gabe. Oh, he's here. Gabe Davis stinks. Gabe Davis sucks. And I thought that last play, oh my gosh, dude. Where, where is your head at? I thought they summed it up on the broadcast. The all-out blitz is coming. The press coverage. You beat Slay off the line. Just look for the rock, Gabe. He throws his helmet down on the sideline. I don't care about what miscommunication. That's a touchdown 10 times out of 10, man. There's no way the Bills should have lost this game. It just seems like any circumstance. It's like Chargers East, it feels like this year, man. I can't quite sum it up. It is... I don't know, Carson. This just must be so frustrating for you as a Bills fan, man. In every reality, there's no way the Buffalo Bills should have lost this game on the back of a Josh Allen masterclass. His defense continues to let him down. His O-line continues to let him down. His skill position guys continue to let him down. I'm I'm sorry, man. It looks like the Bills are legitimately somehow, some way, going to miss the playoffs. And that completely baffles me because a quarterback the caliber of Josh Allen in a fully healthy season should never miss out on the playoff party. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. It's all right, man. What can you do? But you're right. This could have been a pivotal turning point in the late stage of the season, and it's still a really tough schedule down the home stretch. But to beat a team of this caliber, to have a legitimately positive moment like that, what would really be the first since that mm -hmm. Dolphins win all the way back in week four could rejuvenate this team, and instead you get deflated in the most painful way possible. And you talk about this as a Josh Allen masterclass. It absolutely was. It was one of the best games any quarterback has played this season, if not the best. The stat line he puts up over 300 passing yards and over 75 rushing yards with multiple touchdowns both on the ground and through the air. We've only ever seen one player outside of Josh today put that stat line up once in NFL history. Who do you think that was, Logan? Ooh, uh, what's, what's the exact stat line? 424 total TDs, or what's the line? It's just 300-plus passing, 75-plus rushing, two touchdowns both on the ground and through the air. I'm going to say Cam Newton. It's not Cam. Uh, a little further back, but not too far back. back. Let me get Mike Vick. It's Mike Vick, man. Wow. So a legitimately historic stat line. And then situationally, one of the most brilliant games I've ever seen. The Bills converted. 13 third downs in this game seven of them third and long and you could not stop josh on the ground today i thought it was incredible how willing he was to weaponize his legs as a runner both rushing touchdowns multiple third and long conversions he's just making dudes miss bouncing off of guys that first rushing touchdown they compared him to big ben which i'm sorry i consider to be an insult i understand it in terms of that you can't take him down but the agility gap there is massive like hey, he's don't not sleep. just throwing dudes off him he's making the miss in space too ben wasn't ever like that Let's ben be wasn't real. ever like that don't don't sleep on prime big ben he had a low mobility though yeah with his 200 rushing yards a year okay bro josh is out there still for my money the best short yardage rusher in the nfl put jalen hurts in that same conversation but imagine if josh had that line in front of him so special on the ground and then he kept making big time throws Especially to Gabe Davis, who, yes, I am low on, but played a really good football game today outside of that one mental lapse on what should have been the game-winning play. Absolutely turn your head, have your eyes on the ball on your quarterback. But that first 
touchdown. He had an elite throw on the run to Gabe on a third down. The next drive, he just threw a ball on a rope, I believe again on third down to get them inside the five. Josh kept making special play after special play, extending plays, doing it in clutch, timely situations, but then also was very smart. And initially it felt like this was sort of a conservative game plan from Joe Brady. Again, the emphasis on taking the checkdowns, hitting the running backs, which he did nine times. So it was that perfect blend that I always talk about, that perfect balance between generational, unrivaled playmaking Josh Allen and just good cerebral surgical Josh Allen. And the only way to lose a football game like that is if so many catastrophic things happen around him, which of course they did. James Cook drops a walk-in touchdown. And then on the subsequent two plays, you have consecutive false starts that take you out of field goal range entirely. You get zero points on that drive. Tyler Bass misses two field goals in this game. One of them is blocked after, by the way, a very bad intentional grounding call. What should have been a horse call or should have set up a very favorable goal-to-go situation for the Bills. Instead, they get pushed back that little bit. Still a very makeable field goal, but it gets blocked. And then you do have the Gabe miscommunication at the end. And defensively, it's just another inexcusable performance. And that has been what's so painful about this year. Why? It's to me even more agonizing than what you have from the Chargers. The Chargers don't really have the same glimmers of hope. Like, they're in games... But when it comes down to these go-ahead drives, they fail every single time. Josh keeps making clutch plays, dude. He keeps putting you in the lead, even when things have been ugly, even when you feel like you've lost momentum, even when you start to tuck your head between your legs and think, all right, maybe we just don't have it today. Against the Patriots in that awful football game, he drives them down the field with under two minutes remaining, gives them a go-ahead touchdown, and they let the worst offense in football march down the field on them and score a touchdown to win that game. Against the Broncos, ugly football game, but under two minutes ago, Josh puts you ahead with a go-ahead touchdown, and what do they do? They make defensive lapses. Sean McDermott makes a terrible call for the second consecutive all-out blitz that sets up the DPI, and then, oh my God, they missed the field goal, and still... You have the 12 men on the field and you give them the game-winning field goal in that situation. And then this one, again, Josh puts you up with a go-ahead touchdown under two minutes remaining when you already should have 40 points on the day if you're just able to convert on those field goal situations if you don't have these awful, awful lapses. And they can't quite get a stop there. Obviously, it's an incredible field goal by Jake Elliott. And then you have the overtime drive. You still put up points on the board and defensively, just more lapses, man. No spy on Jalen Hurts in that situation. It's just demoralizing, and you could feel that they were going to let up a touchdown once the Eagles marched down into that red zone. There was no indication in the last half-plus of football that the Bills were playing defense at a nearly high enough level, nor has there been over the last seven weeks. And I understand that it is a unit that has been decimated by injuries, but you're still trying to win a lot of football games. You still have Josh Allen, and that defense continues to hold them back. And then... I think the defensive play calling, again, when I talk about not having a spy on Jalen Hurts there, that falls on Sean McDermott, as does the fact that with 20 seconds to go and two timeouts in regulation, they just kneel. I understand you're going up against a very good defense, but that defense hasn't stopped you all day, effectively. I understand that it's rainy conditions, but you have Josh Allen, man, and have you forgotten the very situation in which you lost a game that was reminiscent to this in a lot of ways, and the Kansas City Chiefs were aggressive with 13 seconds on the clock, and they got into field goal range because they have a generational quarterback talent. 
Like, be aggressive, man. Is it really more likely that you have some sort of catastrophic turnover than that you move the ball 30-something, 40 yards downfield and get into field goal range with multiple plays, potentially? I just don't think so, man. And Sean McDermott remains a conservative guy, I think, on both sides of the ball. He's a conservative defensive play caller, loves those soft zones, and you see that the Eagles were able to move the ball pretty easily against them in some of those situations. And then offensively, take chances, man. Trust your generational talent. They probably don't win the game in that spot, but to not even try to me is just sort of a head scratcher. And I know a lot of people will talk about the officiating from this game because it did suck, especially Bills fans. And there are multiple instances that you can point out and just say, that was an awful call. Like, there's a phantom hold on a big run by Ty Johnson early in this game. I mentioned the missed horse collar, and then on top of that, the bad intentional grounding where Josh was both outside the pocket and there was a receiver in the vicinity. Totally inexplicable. They missed an obvious defensive holding on Stefan Diggs in overtime. The penalty count was 10-1 to 1 after the first half. Like, yeah, there were a lot of really bad calls in this game. But ultimately... That didn't swing points to me. I mean, maybe you can point at the intentional ground and call on the missed horse caller and say that's a situation where they're forced to take a field goal that ends up getting blocked. But I just can't blame the officiating for this loss. I think that the Bills made repeated self-inflicted errors as they have done over and over again. But it wasn't on Josh. I mean, he did have the one interception and that's frustrating. But in the scope of things, he's trying to take the check down there. Bradbury makes a great play. It looks like he's dropping into a deeper zone, and then he crashes down hard. Damn near rips the ball out of the receiver's hands. Like, you can live with that. In no way is this on Josh. When he leads your offense to put up over 500 yards, when you win the turnover battle, when you are great on third down. I saw a stat today that teams to go over 500 yards to win the turnover battle and to convert 10 plus third downs. First of all, that's a very rare stat line to begin with. Teams were 39-0 doing that coming into today. The Bills are the first ever team to lose, and it's because of these multiple, inexplicable, awful, game-changing errors that have somehow become predictable. And it's just an embarrassing failure of this team for a quarterback who, by far, again, leads the league in total touchdowns. He has 33 total touchdowns. He's second in total yards. Again, that's where he stands since 2020. Over that time, he by far leads the league in total touchdowns in his second in total yardage and has consistently led them to be the best third down offensive football and a top three scoring offense year in, year out. Like, I've recited these same stats over and over again because it's true, because Josh is that special. I think he's still pretty clearly to me a top two quarterback in football because nobody outside of Patrick Mahomes creates at this level, elevates the dudes around them at this level. Like, Joe Burrow can't play this football game that Josh Allen played today. He just can't. Nobody other than Patrick Mahomes can and you are sitting at 6-6 six and six right now, it's an embarrassment. It's truly one of the most catastrophic failures of a season that I can think of in recent years because the Chargers, yeah, maybe you thought they would sneak into the playoffs, and they just suck. The Bills, we expected to be a Super Bowl contender, and the defensive injuries are a factor there, but good God, man, for every loss to be like, how the hell did that yeah. happen? It's just so unfortunate, and it's such a waste. Preach, brother. I mean, two things I want to hit on real quick, because I think there's a lot of things we can expand on. One, real quick about the refs. I thought this was the worst day of NFL refing football I have seen all year long. Uh, it continues to frustrate me, and I just want consistency. I don't want – I'm not expecting perfection. Perfection is not attainable. Consistency and continuity between calls across every game – is and it is frustrating when there are just clearly blown calls and 
you know, in across every game, the worst one of the day, in my opinion, was the Josh Allen horse collar. I mean, the the ruling on that, too, is if Josh is out of the pocket, that's a horse collar all day. You can't call the horse collar while the QB is in the pocket, but once he is out, it's just egregious. And there were calls across, I thought, every game today. The next thing is, what you talk about with Josh Carson, I think is what makes this so frustrating, is the Bills are a team that the foundation is built upon Josh Allen. And they have not had a whole lot go right outside of Josh Allen this season. But that is part of what makes it so frustrating, is this is not a Buffalo Bills team that around Josh needs to play great. They just need to play well enough and not get in their own way. And this is a team, again, they're playing the what is considered to be the best team in football. Record-wise, in, uh, in totality of their season, they are number one you know, across most media uh, heads, right? And they almost win this game. The Bills are a team that just need to crack the party because Josh is that good. Josh is that great of a singular force of a quarterback and an athlete that you just need to crack the party to have a chance. And, Carson, you say it. This is one of the biggest failures of a season that you can remember. I don't know the last time we have had a superstar quarterback fully healthy for an entire season, right? Circumstances be damned with all that has gone wrong with the Bills. I can't think of a last time of a quarterback of this caliber that has been healthy for an entire season that has just missed on the playoff stage. Uh, You talk about a bunch of the historical numbers with Josh Carson. If they just get the party, the track record is that the Bills are going to do some damage. In eight playoff games, Josh is averaging 344 total yards of offense per game and over two TDs per game. He's one of the most successful playoff performers in NFL history. That's a good sample size. Like, And I don't think the Bills are going to make it, man. I think Sean McDermott is going to get fired at the end of this season. You've got the Chiefs up next. Then you've got Dallas. Those are very, those are two very winnable games because you have Josh Allen, but they are two very losable games because of the caliber of opponents that you're playing. And it's not going to be easy the rest of the way. And the worst thing that I think you said, Carson, is the momentum aspect of this. This gives you the juice. This gives you the fire that you need in your locker room to fire you up the rest of the season. Look at what the Denver Broncos are doing. They got bent over a barrel and spanked by the Miami Dolphins 70-20. to And you rip off a win against the Chiefs. Uh-oh, here we go. You rip off a win against the Buffalo Bills. Uh-oh, here we go. Look at that snowball. You know what I mean? The snowball may have started right here. Now you got a snowball that's this big because it's momentum and you're rolling and you keep picking it up. And the Broncos are rolling right now. And the Bills needed a momentum-shifting win here. And they just don't get it. And I just don't see any signs of life the rest of the way, man. I think McDermott's done. I think they're going to miss the postseason. And... I don't know, man. We're going to see a real, a really big overhaul in this offseason. And when you talk about the rarity of truly elite quarterbacks, fully healthy, missing the playoffs, it does happen. Of course, football's a team sport. It happened with Breeze multiple years in his prime. Justin Herbert has been a consensus top five quarterback for several years and just made the playoffs last year and lost in the first round and missed the year before that. But it's just when he is playing at this just undeniable yeah. level. It really is disheartening. And to me, there has been so much misplaced blame on Josh Allen. This is the best game that he's played all year. Mm -hmm. But what I've said repeatedly is he is the reason the Bills are a respectable football team. And people continue to place losses on him. Even today, I saw somebody being like, well, he had that one interception, so he couldn't have played that great. 
I mean, he's doing everything for this team and they just keep letting him down. And we can't have these same conversations every week and act like it's new. Like, mm -hmm. that's what's so crazy is that I'm still disappointed after this game because it felt like I had thrown in the towel on this season. We had talked about how they certainly were contenders. And once the defense regressed, that was it. And all of these limiting factors that they had. But when you have a game like this where it's like, oh, wow, they are clearly better than the team that we do consider the best in football. They are soundly outplaying them. And you still find a way to lose. What do you even do with that? It's just terrible. Having watched every Bills game this season, every snap, uh, snap of Josh Allen, do you think he has a case uh, of being the best quarterback in football this year? Specifically within this regular season, I do think that he has a case. I think that it would be him, Lamar, or Patrick Mahomes. I will always, always give Mahomes the nod as the best quarterback in football until it is decisively proven otherwise. But when you're talking about just this 11-12 game sample size that we have, even with his mistakes, the good so dramatically outweighs the bad with Josh Allen. He has a case. I mean, he'd be a great MVP candidate if the Bills could actually, again, get a stop when he puts them ahead in a two-minute drill situation. It's just really, really bad. But opposite this, the Eagles keep winning games in the exact opposite way. They keep pulling games out of their ass, so to speak. I mean, this is four weeks, Logan, in which they've been outgained consecutively by 98 or more yards in every single one of them. And they have won four straight games. So what do you make of that? Are you more impressed by the fact that they keep winning these? Are you more concerned by the fact that they are getting outgained like this and that maybe the bottom is going to fall out? What's your take on that? Yeah, you, you know what? I, I'm gonna go with the the latter there. Mm. I, I am I I I, I kind of fall on both sides of this fence. I am impressed. I'm very impressed because the Eagles are top to bottom probably the most talented roster in football. And there's some there is some sort of I don't know magic or yeah. cosmic entity. It feels like that there is with the Eagles when I'm watching these games. Jake Elliott should not have made that kick. Shout out! Holy shit, dude! Through the rain, through the wind, I'm sitting there going, I was kind of doing a dance for you, man. I was hype. I was like, all right, Elliot's going to whip this thing. We're going to have a little kumbaya on the pod tonight. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be a good time. And Elliot bangs it through. I am impressed that they are able to win while being outplayed. But it is concerning, especially the cornerback play, man. I, You know, I, I'm really concerned about... That's still the one area where the Eagles are leaving me a little... with some to be desired. The front is solid. The front is great. The pass rush is great. Uh, the The secondary is still where I'm really concerned, and I think that Philly can get beat with a deep ball and on big plays and big shots like that, and that's still what concerns me about this team. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to sound any alarm bells. Again, it's, it is remarkable to me that they keep up. They keep pace, even falling behind 17-7, to and it looked like the Bills were stealing all of this momentum going into the second half. They just have such a rock-solid identity with that running game, man, and they're always in every game and they're super talented I am con the one area I'm concerned with is the secondary it's been my red flag all season long it is still my biggest area of concern but the Eagles I still think are the most talented team top to bottom in football I agree and you mentioned the run game man what a blessing that is and of course it's huge Jalen Hurts is a huge part of the dominance of their running game and he's a lethal rushing threat but uh, the dominance of their line and the production they get from their running backs is such a strength such a gift to a really good quarterback like in the first half Jalen Hurts couldn't get 
anything going, man. The Bills were actually covering really well. They were getting a lot of pressure, but I would mostly give credit to the coverage for that. Just these extended four or five second plays where Hertz can't find anybody open and then he's forced to just throw it away. It was a very stagnant half for them, but they have that one drive where they just run the ball down the Bills' throat and they're able to get on the board that way. And then Jalen Hurts starts to find much more of a rhythm in the second half and make some big plays. It's just so dependable. This is what we talk about with them. It's so reliable. The Eagles are never going to get blown out of a football game because they are so physically dominant up front on both sides of the ball. Yeah, like they are far from perfect. I do worry a bit about their pass defense, about their secondary. They haven't been very good situationally getting off the field on third down or getting stops in the red zone. This is not the Eagles defense of last year, I don't think. And also, I mean, the linebackers, of course, the linebackers are a concern here. And you can point at those things and say that they're worth noting, but this is what I said last week. There are no great teams this year. There just aren't. And the Eagles are the team that consistently have enough elite talents at important positions where they can make those big time plays when it comes down to that third and 15 Jalen Hurt makes an unbelievable play extending the play on the run makes a great throw to Zacchaeus who's not like one of their elite players necessarily but he's a solid rotational receiver and he makes a big time play I mean when you have an AJ Brown kind of talent when you have the defensive talents that they do Bradbury makes a huge really cerebral play in this one of course they have game breakers on the defensive front it's legitimate to me. I think it's a real formula that they can rely on. And as I've said, I think that the Niners, when Brock Purdy is playing his best, they have a higher ceiling. That is a, a dominant, dominant football team when they are humming. But we've seen the bottom fall out a bit more for them. We've seen Purdy have the mistake-prone games. We just haven't seen that stinker from the Eagles. And honestly, this year... That's pretty impressive. That's pretty compelling when everybody else has had one in really multiple, like I guess you would say the Jets game was, but even in that game, the Eagles were really in that football game. And outside of that, they have found a way to win every single one. So I do think they are still the best team in football to me. And this is a great win for them. Like, I don't want to just make this another uh, Bills sob fest because, oh my God, how do they find a way to lose this game? Yeah, they absolutely should have won. But when it came down to it, the Eagles took advantage of their mistakes and they made huge plays, especially offensively when it came to winning time. So this is another really good win for them. And this game accentuates just how grimy and how, you know, football wins can be ugly. Philly, I mean, bro, the Bills had 500 total yards of offense in this game. Yeah. They had the ball for damn near 20 more minutes for 15 more minutes, dude. Yeah. They They won the turnover battle. Like... Every box that you could check, I mean, Buffalo basically gets done. They're better situationally. It just, it makes no sense. But by law of transitive property, the Jets are the best team in football, right? They beat the Bills. Yes. They soundly outplayed the Eagles. They beat the Eagles. Therefore, the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl this year with Aaron Rodgers on a bum leg. Just as you predicted, Logan, the New York football Jets are going to be your Super Bowl champion. And the Bills were better in every category except for penalties and except for kicking like that is literally the difference i mean you have a guy who can't make a routine field goal and that's not to say that tyler bass is a bad kicker he just had a bad day of kicking and then you have a guy who steps up and makes a 59 yarder in the crazy wind and the rain that's the difference so there's a lot of things that factor into a football game and 
Some of those freak things just went in the Eagles' way this week as they miraculously tend to. It's not to say that a majority of it is luck because I don't think it is whatsoever, but they have gotten a little bit lucky this year, if we can just be honest. But who never gets lucky, Logan, as we've talked about, is the LA Chargers, who went out there, prime time, big prove-it opportunity against a great football team in the Ravens, and they just sort of sputter. They have another chance for a go-ahead or at least game-tying drive in the last few minutes in this one, and as always, it results in nothing. So, what do you make of this? Like, we've had the conversation about how Brandon Staley should be fired so many times, but what can you even take away from just another Chargers loss? Shocker, they lost again. (laughs) Yeah, and in pretty brutal fashion. I was surprised that the Chargers were even in this game with how great Baltimore's defense is playing. I mean, they forced four turnovers in this one. And again, with somehow, some way, with time on the clock, the Chargers have life and maybe a chance to steal this game. It's just ironic to me, Carson, how, you know, it's hard to attribute traits and things that happen to identities of teams. But it's also strange how quickly little things can become identities of teams. What I mean by that is, like, we're talking about with the Bills, shooting themselves in the foot, just kind of getting in their own way. It seems like it's kind of part of their identity now. The Chargers doing this is a part of their identity, but it's it's really eerie to me how similar each game is, specifically on this one. Last play of the game, Chargers have yes. one gasp of breath left on the final play with the ball in Herbert's hand. Literally. And there's just relentless pressure. Like, there's just no time for him to throw the ball, and it feels like every game where it's come down to one play with Herbert, it's him getting mollywopped by mm-hmm. a defensive end, just crushed, and he has no time to throw, and it's like, can we give any help? This is not a great Justin Herbert game. I thought he scrambled pretty well. Uh, I'll, I'll give him credit there. It's not a great Justin Herbert game by any means, but there's just nothing going right. You know, when we give props... To Jalen Hurts, right? Like you said with the wins and loss thing, how people are going to do this thing with Josh Allen. They're going to do it with Herbert. Lamar Jackson has an awesome running game to go along with him. Jalen Hurts has an awesome running game to rely on here. It takes so much. Yeah. It, it, it opens everything else up. And Justin Herbert, just again, there's nothing else. Oh, yeah, we're going to drop back, and we're going to try to find Keenan Allen, who catches 14 freaking balls in this game, man. Oh, hey, but guess what? We're not going to be able to run the ball or take any pressure off of Justin Herbert. So it's going to be Herbert and Allen, and they're going to have a great statistical game, but we're not going to score any points. We're not going to move the ball across the 50, and we're not going to run the ball well. We're also not going to protect for Justin Herbert. And the one thing that I thought about throughout this entire game, Carson, or not throughout the entire game, especially right at the end, but I was thinking about it in the back of my head. Damn, man, it really does suck passing on Zay Flowers, dude. It'd be really, really nice to have a second guy here taking Quentin Johnson. It's it's funny to me, man. It's uh, what's that? It's Einstein doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. You're crazy. You're insane. It, the Chargers are football insanity. It's let's not change anything. Let's not change the game plan. Let's not fire a coach. Let's do the exact same shit and lose the exact same fucking way that we do every week. Sorry, man. I'm pissed off for Chargers fans. I'm pissed off for Bills fans. I'm pissed off for Justin Herbert. I'm I'm frustrated for the Chargers too, dude. It's the same old BS. Yeah, it was even a little bit uglier, though. And the thing that you say about Herbert getting pressure on every big down this year, every final drive when it comes to that last chance, third down, fourth down, and when it's a situation where you have to go for it, 
I absolutely felt that same way. And I literally went back and looked at the ending of all of their close games. And it is remarkably true. In that Miami game, he got sacked on two of the last three plays against Tennessee with a chance for a go-ahead touchdown on third down. He got sacked against Dallas where he played a bad football game, but they still had a chance on that final drive. He got sacked on the second to last play and then threw a pick when he was just trying to get rid of it on the last play. Like it just keeps on happening. And this line sucks. There's no two ways about that. They cannot run the football. And this one outside of Herbert, they run it 15 times for 39 yards. And I really thought when Justin Tucker missed that field goal, that was a chance for the football gods to punish the Ravens and John Harbaugh for not going for that. Because I thought that was an obvious situation where it's fourth and one. If you get it, then the game is effectively over. Or I mean, at least you have a chance to put six on the board and literally end the game. And they miss it, and the Chargers get a short field. But of course, there's no one that the football gods punish more than the Chargers, and they just can't make anything of that. So to me, again, not much of this falls on Herbert. He didn't play a very good game. And the one thing that I do wish was a little bit different about him is that I wish he had a little bit more magician in him. And that's not to say that he doesn't extend plays, that he doesn't make crazy throws. You mentioned, I mean, he has that one huge scramble in this game. He does. I just don't think he's quite the visionary. I don't think he's quite as gutsy as a Mahomes, as an Allen is. Sometimes in these big situations, he's just too willing to me to throw the ball away, which like, yeah, in most spots is a smart football decision, right? Don't take a negative play. But when it comes to game-winning drives, when it comes to, oh my God, I just need to make something great happen, you got to take chances. And Herbert, yeah, he has lower turnover numbers than those other guys this season because he doesn't take chances, but he's also lacking in some of those same special performances and moments, I think, because he can be a bit overly conservative. So that's a nitpick. I still think he's a top five quarterback, but it does account for a gap because him and Josh physically, they have very similar measurables. I mean, Josh is stronger, but in terms of height, in terms of speed and mobility, there's a real similar comparison there, but Josh is just able to do more of that special, special stuff with his athleticism. I think that that is how Herbert can take the next step. And a lot of that was attributed to overly conservative play calling last year, but I think a little bit of it is just wired into Justin Herbert as well. He's still great. He is far from being the majority fault bearer in LA of course I mean their biggest issue this year has been that they can't get stops they defended okay in this one but offensively they are so reliant on Keenan he has 46 targets in the last three weeks nobody else is good and this Ravens defense is suffocating man makes a very good case for the best in football just how stacked they are at every level they get pressure when they need it they get big plays from their secondary and their linebackers I mean it's just it's a stacked football team, top to bottom, as we've been saying. But I don't know why you would hold on to Brandon Staley. Like, just let him go, man. This is a primetime loss. You're 4-7. Fire him. I don't think they will, but they really, really should. See what you have in Kellen Moore. Do anything to energize your team. Nobody is down for another year of Brandon Staley. There's just no chance. Not only because of the 
thoroughly disappointing team results but because of his clear culpability in a lot of those losses because he hasn't been able to form a competent defense when that's the side of the ball he's responsible for I don't want to be a broken record but like just fire the dude and see if you can figure out anything for the Ravens is there anything you really take away from this one Logan just sort of taking care of business against the Chargers a couple things. I want to add one more point to the Chargers stuff we were just talking about with Herbert, you know, because I do think people are going to bring their swords down on Herbert a little more. You know, I just want to emphasize the lack of help that Herbert has had around him. These are rankings from every year, rushing yards per attempt. 30th, 20th, 17th, 30th, always been below average. Moreover than not, been really shitty. Defensively, scoring, 24, 21, 29, and 23. And every year of Herbert's career, the Chargers offensive line has ranked bottom 20 in pass block and run block win rate. I mean, there's just... Josh Allen is Superman. You know, Justin Herbert can't be... <laughs> he can't be Superman too, man. It's tough. It's tough being Superman. For the Ravens, I am worried about them a little bit offensively. And not in terms of running the ball. You know, I think they probably have the second most rock-solid offensive identity when their quarterback is healthy. Second to only the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, in terms of reliable, easy offensive formula. They're going to win in the trenches, they're going to win at the line of scrimmage, and they're going to run the ball down your throat all game long. In terms of reliable identities, I trust them. But I do think there's a a little bit of an aspect of this offense missing without Mark Andrews. It was a little harder for Lamar to find guys, and I, I thought it was noticeable, you know, like... Uh, especially in terms of how long Lamar held on to the football in this game and was looking for receivers. Like, I think guys were just struggling to create separation. And when you're playing the Los Angeles Chargers, let me tell you, my friend, it is not good. You should be able to create a lot of separation against the Chargers. So to me, that spoke volumes about how difficult it is going to be in the passing game without Andrews, because he is a huge... He's been Lamar's you know leading target every year he's been on the roster. They've been together. So... I do think it's going to be a little tougher. They do have weapons. I think Odell has improved week by week. I still think Odell is underrated. Like, dude, Odell was a top 20 receiver in Los Angeles. And, like, I know it's a tough injury to recover from, but Odell has steadily continued to get better. Zay Flowers is a special weapon. I like Isaiah Likely. You know, he's a not as reliable as Andrews, but he's a big play threat. So I'll say this. I'm... Uh, concerned about the Ravens, especially situationally now in third downs and in the red zone without having their big guy to rely on. It's not an Achilles heel. It's not going to kill the Ravens, but, you know, I think that's why we saw Baltimore struggle a little more than they normally do without, you know, in their first game without Andrews. Yeah, I do think that you feel a difference without Andrews. I mean, he has been their best skill position player. He's been their number one target, but I do like Likely. I think that he moves very well for a tight end, and I think that, of course, they have really good depth in terms of the receivers here, and this offense had been at its peak. I mean, they had dropped 30-plus in five straight weeks. They had multiple 500-yard games in their last five weeks, so I think you felt a bit of a difference in this game. I wouldn't flag it as a big concern yet unless we continue to see them a bit more limited, a bit less dynamic. You're right, the Chargers are a team that you should pretty much always go off against, and they didn't, but I still felt like they controlled this game. I mean, they certainly did a good job of limiting mistakes. It was a pretty composed game from Lamar. They had their old formula for the most part, and I think with the level that they're playing at defensively, 
they might not need to be crazy explosive, crazy dominant offensively. They're going to need to be good there. But I think as long as they have Lamar with this improved cast of weapons, they will be. And they consistently have been. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant. But no matter how the action unfolds, you know DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting 5 bucks on basketball. Win or lose, you get an instant dub. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and Deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another potential AFC North playoff team came up with a win of their own. That being your Pittsburgh Steelers, Logan. Finally free of Matt Canada. Of course, going up against the Bengals with Jake Browning and not Joe Shiesty. But how did you feel about this win? What did you take away from it for Pittsburgh? I think I got my swagger back. Yes, sir. Dude, I am reinvigorated. I'm revitalized. I'm rejuvenated. The demons have been exercised. The Steelers are back, baby. Kenny Pickett hit his with an all-timer in the presser. I think we all came together this week. <laughs> Very true. We all we all united at the firing of Matt Canada. Uh, one, I legitimately think we made our offense better, but I do think it united this locker room and surprise, surprise, the magical number that we've all been waiting to surpass the threshold. Carson, 58 games. There's been 58 Steeler games I have watched in which we have not surpassed 400 yards of offense. They go for 421 in this one. It's their most offensive yardage since week 16 of 2018 with Fridge Big Ben. In 45 games under Matt Canada, the Steelers did not surpass 400 yards once. Wow. First game out. They do it. I mean, damn, man. I just cannot believe it took this long. It's like Staley. Wow. I think we noticed one big thing with Canada here, and it is just that he wasn't maximizing the skill and talent that he did have with these guys here. Like, that's how I kind of always felt. It was never... Deontay sucks. Pickens sucks. You know, it's not like we got Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill out there, but these guys aren't bums. Like, Deontay's a good number one. Pickens, or I think Pickens is probably going to be the better guy long-term, but right now, DJ's a damn good number one. Pickens is a really solid number two. And now that Pat Fryer moves back, like, this should be a close-to-league average offense. That's what's so frustrating. Should never been bottom barrel. Like, if we could creep to league average, that's awesome. Fryer moves first game back. I do think that mattered. Fryer move has been... Kenny's favorite target on the field. Uh, he has been injured all season long. He comes back here with an emphatic performance, 100-plus yards, really carried our offense. But overall, more creativity. We were running the ball with purpose and with direction, with vigor, like there was intent behind our play calls. Wow! I didn't, 
dude, I wasn't drowning in despair and doom and gloom during the game. I was like, we might score. This is magical. Um, I'm so happy that he's gone, and I'm so glad that the results back up and can confirm what we already knew. The one area where I still think the Steelers fall short is with Kenny, but there's nobody holding him back here. Kenny had so much more help this game. Like, I think they simplified the game plan. One, we were able to establish the run again, which I think is going to be huge for the Steelers moving forward because Kenny is limited as a quarterback. Bottom line, for the Steelers to win football games and to win big football games, they need the running game to go because Kenny's just not that guy yet. I don't know if he's ever going to become that guy. He is limited as a quarterback. They need the running game to be there to take pressure off of him and to let him play game manager football. Don't turn the rock over. Make good decisions. Stay ahead of the chains, right? And we did that this game. It wasn't great. They only scored 16 points, but it's improvement. And I will take improvement over stagnation and legitimate regression from what we had with Canada. But I'm excited about the rest of this season, Carson. And I think the locker room is too. I think that's the biggest thing for the Steelers to take away from this game. You need momentum going into the rest of this season, and I think that's what the Canada firing did. Again, not only do the results back up what we thought and can confirm what we thought, but it gives this locker room some energy and some fire the rest of the way, and this is a momentum-building win. It's against a backup quarterback, sure, but it's a big-time win, and it allows us to to get a little momentum building into the final weeks of the season. It's not a tough schedule. No, it's not. Like, the Steelers have a have a real chance at, at cracking the postseason, man. They've got Arizona, New England, yeah. Indianapolis, Come on. another game against Jake Browning, They're gonna Gino. Make it. They're gonna make it, man. And then in Baltimore. I'm not ready to I'm not ready to take it to the bank yet, but I'm very, very excited for this for this ending stretch of the season. I think they are gonna make it, man. And to me the biggest takeaway from this was yes, of course, the offense as a whole looking a lot better, but I would say this is the first game all year to me where Kenny has actually looked good. Like, not passable. Like, I thought that Kenny was good in this game. I thought that he was composed. I thought that he was accurate. I thought he threw with good timing. I thought he was very comfortable going over the middle of the field, pushed the ball downfield a little bit more, had four completions in the air of 15 plus yards, which I don't believe he's done all season. And. It was nice to see Fryermuth really find his role because obviously he had the injury this season, but even when he was healthy, he had basically been a zero in the handful of games that we had seen from him this year, and he came up huge in this one. So it's nice to have another reliable target to throw into the mix there. So we've been talking a lot about, is this it for Kenny? Like, is he just that limited? Because I've said, I don't think he is really even average in terms of NFL starters at any one trait. But this is going to be an interesting little litmus test over these last six weeks. If he keeps playing like this, I think he's a guy you do trot out there for another season. I think he is a guy who you can win football games with. Would I say he's a franchise guy? No, I would not. But that would be much more promising to me than what we've seen up to this point, which has really just been disappointment. And yeah, they win games, but that's just because they have Steelers voodoo magic. It's really had nothing to do with Kenny. So true. <laughs> so true. Uh, I'm really glad that you bring up that aspect with Fryermuth and Kenny because if you look at Kenny's passing charts from, I mean, basically every game this season, he has 10 throws here, 10 throws on this side of the field, on the left and the right, and in the middle of the field, there's nothing. He is not even attempting to throw balls over the middle. 
The one thing I'd say that Kenny is good with is protecting the ball. He's got the longest streak now in Pittsburgh Steelers history without a turnover. I think it's like 208 pass attempts. Kenny's not really reckless, and I think to a fault. Like, I think sometimes it's like, all right, Kenny, let's take a shot. That's where I will... That's where Kenny succeeds, and like you said, man, this is encouraging. This is something to build upon. It's not, let's land best. Kenny did play a good game today. The numbers aren't going to blow you away, but he played a really controlled football game, and that's all we needed today. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you are playing the Bengals with Jake Browning, who just are not good. He sucks. They cannot run the football at all. That's it. It's, as we said with Theo, I mean, that Burrow injury just ended their season. He was another guy. One of those truly elite quarterbacks who was covering up a lot of flaws within his team. And to me, they're not a team that is in the wild card race in any serious way. But you know who is in that race, Logan, out in the AFC? Two other teams who we saw show down today. And it was the Denver Broncos coming up with a big win over the Browns. We talked about this a bit earlier when you mentioned what can happen when you start to build momentum and stack wins on top of each other. But that is now five straight for the Broncos. How legit do you think they are at this point? I, I think the Broncos are, are pretty for real. I, I mm. buy in. You know, last week, last two weeks, I've been creeping. I've been creeping on the Broncos, trying to get them up into real playoff status, which I was hesitant to do because a lot of things were going against the Broncos this season. Sean Payton and them looked like bums when they came out with that uncommon uh, phrase across their shirt. That's the phrase of the year. I thought Russell Wilson was completely washed coming into this year. I thought this was arguably the worst defense maybe ever, question mark, after you get 70-piece by the Dolphins. like rough. They were far from trending upward, and now, again, football is such a weird sport. It's not, you know, one game can change your season for the better, and I really think that Chiefs game gave them juice that they needed. Five straight games now. Russell Wilson looks better. They're running the football well. The weapons are in sync with Russ, and they're making plays like Mims and Sutton. They're on time together. The defense is steadily improved, and that turnover shit. I don't. I mean, is it even like? It's definitely not like a bankable formula, but it is pretty remarkable. They forced 16 during their five-game winning streak. Carson, they have 15 in their last four games. That's the most in any four-game stretch since 1989, man. It is a remarkable stretch that we've seen from this defense. And again, on the other side of the ball, the turnover differential is probably the most... It's going to reveal wins and losses better than anything else, right? They've only turned the ball over three times during this streak, too. Like, Russ and this offense have done a phenomenal job of not shooting themselves in the foot. That's the best mark over the last five games tied with the Steelers. And again, the most encouraging thing, they've got 127 rushing yards per game uh, during the five-game winning streak. That's the ninth most over the last five weeks. I think part of that has to do with when you're turning turning the ball over at such a historic clip, it, it gives you more possessions uh, which allows you, and you know, and you have leads in these games too, so it allows you to run the ball a little more, run out the clock. So I think, I don't think the you know the rushing offense is top ten, but I think it's above average, and it's something that they can lean on moving forward. Javante had another good game today, and this is the most human that we've seen the Browns' defense look. They couldn't really stop the run at all today, uh, and the Broncos' schedule isn't that bad the rest of the way. They're going to have to pull out a couple of wins. They got the Chargers twice in Houston, in Detroit. They host New England, and they travel to Vegas, but the playoffs are on the cusp, and that is, I don't know, that's certainly not what I expected from the Broncos at all coming into this year. I put the over-under 
Uh, I made a bet with one of my roommates. Uh, I think it was six games I had the Broncos, or seven. Uh, we set the line at, at six and a half, and I took the under. Uh, so that looks like it's going to hit. But it's one of the most remarkable in-season turnarounds that I can remember. And I think the Broncos are going to make the playoffs. Interesting. Still not all the way there with you. And I don't think it's impossible because the AFC is super flawed. And it's funny, you highlighted the exact two stats that I was going to. This run has been so much about an insane turnover differential, which I don't think they can sustain. And then the fact that they have found something real with the run game. And that's impressive. And you felt that in the opening drive this one, they march down the field and score and they build that 14-0 lead. And that's really been a trend throughout these last handful of games. They're running the football so much better. And Russ really isn't having to do all that much. I mean, he's played a couple of good games. He played pretty well against the Bills. And actually the one week where they couldn't run the football was against Minnesota and Russ stepped up a bit in that one. But for the most part, they've been relying on the run game and on turning teams over. But I still just don't think they're very good. I think they're okay. I think that they have found their ceiling and they're fine, but it's not a formula to me that scares anybody. And when you mention that stretch that's upcoming, going to the Texans, going to the Chargers, going to the Lions, those offenses are just so much more dynamic. I probably wouldn't pick the Broncos in any of those games. I mean, maybe the Chargers are just so cursed, but I don't view the the Broncos as like a much better football team than them. They barely outgained the Browns today, which is a brutal, brutal offense. And yeah, they did play well against that great defense, but they've been outgained in three of the five games in this win streak. Like, as we talked about with the Eagles, there is something to just finding ways to win. But I believe in the Eagles' elite talent, and they're not doing it as much with this like outlier turnover differential sort of stuff that you know eventually is going to come back down to earth. So... Who do you have as those AFC wildcard teams right now? You have the Broncos in there. You have the Steelers in there, I presume. Yeah, I'll take... Mm. Is it the Texans for you? Is it the Browns? I mean, the Colts are in that seven seed right now. I guess... I guess I'm taking Houston. I guess it's going to... I'm going to take Denver, Pittsburgh, and Houston... I'm not counting Cleveland out. I will count out some teams. Like, I'm fully out on the Chargers. I, I don't really give them any credence the rest of the way. I don't give them a thought. Uh, Cleveland's the one that is the wild card to me, and it's tough because I think that they're going to have Joe Flacco come in here, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, and try to save their season. And, and look, the, the Browns had a real chance in this football game. I thought Stefanski in this offense kind of sold it on that end around. Uh Mm-hmm. I also have a bone to pick. I did not like that roughing the passer call on DTR. Uh, DTR goes out of this game, and that's what sunk their boat. Um, on the one-yard line, he jumps into a throw, and it's a good hit. Yeah. Like, I, I just – and that's what I meant earlier with the continuity thing and the consistency with these calls with the Josh Allen. Football is still football. The, this is a contact sport. Guys are going to take licks. Guys are going to take shots. It's the nature of the game. It's the nature of the beast. And so for you to flag a 300-pound D-end who fully puts his body weight down on a guy, okay, 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 I'm not going to do that next time. I'm not going to put my body weight. What do you want to do when a guy throws his shoulder out like you tell him to do in the quarterback's chest, not in his head, and it's just a hard hit? That's going to happen when a dude's running 13 miles an hour at another dude trying to hit him. It's football. So I just, I want some continuity in these calls, and I don't like it. Like, when we're talking about impact, 
how hard that guy hit DTR? It's a lick. It's a Matt Moore, Bud Dupree, oh my God, is that guy okay kind of hit. But it's going to happen during games, and you just need to give, you need to come down on either side of the fence. It shouldn't be, like, if a guy puts down his body weight, call that all the time. But don't call the one where he doesn't. It's, you're making it impossible for defensive players to play this sport. And it's, it's not fun as a fan. And that just, that's on a bigger scale that happens in a lot of these games. I didn't like that flag, but like I said, the Browns had a chance. They put P.J. in this game, and then they get gimmicky. I think Mark Sanchez said it on the broadcast. P.J.'s won you two games with subpar QB play, and you're in this one. The second he comes into this game, they run a double end around that, I don't know who fumbled it, somebody drops it on the second toss. Broncos recover it. The Browns really never regain momentum. Miles Garrett leaves the game uh, in a sling in his left arm. I hope he's okay. That's really what's going to hinge on the Browns' playoff hopes moving forward. It's Miles Garrett has to be fully healthy, and then <laughs> I cannot believe I'm saying this in the year of our Lord 2023. Joe Flacco is going to have to save the Cleveland Browns' season. Uh, yeah, it, that doesn't feel real. What happened to your boy PJ? You were talking about how you love PJ earlier this year. There's, I, there's no way they can trot PJ out again. No, I just don't. PJ sucks. I don't know what you ever saw on uh, yeah. him. He was XFL MVP. Man. He was the third <laughs> stringer behind DTR, bro. That's not great. But absolutely, this season is going to hinge on Miles Garrett's health, and that's not a very good report. He said that he felt a pop in his shoulder. So that's concerning. To me, if he is healthy, I actually still probably prefer the Browns to the Broncos with that one-game advantage. I think that they have similar strength of schedule down the stretch, but to me, still being that elite defensively. I mean, it's a formula that's gotten them this far to 7-4 and four with really bad quarterback play, and I think that that quarterback play is going to be as bad down the stretch as ever throughout this season, and they were bound to have a game like this where like, their quarterback play is just so bad and their defense can't dominate and struggles a bit early in this one, so they dig themselves a hole. Like, anybody can beat them in any given game because of how limited they are offensively. I just still think this has been a top three defense, undeniably, up to this point in the season. I believe in that probably more than I believe in a more mediocre team on both sides of the ball. And then I'm with you on the Steelers and Texans as the other wild card teams. It's a really interesting race in the AFC. I mean, props to the Colts for building a bit of momentum here. I still don't love them. Gardner concerns me. They're another team where I'm like, what do they really do well? I don't see it so much. And then obviously the Bills are the best team in this hunt. There's no question, but it's just the strength of schedule down the stretch is so, so ludicrous. So that's going to be a fun thing to monitor. And even on the outskirts of that conversation, Logan, we do have the Las Vegas Raiders they're sitting at five and seven. They've lost a little bit of steam, dropping these last couple ever since I went on my rant about how they were going to lose by 150, lose by 100 points. It started to unfold, but they did have an early lead on the Chiefs, and then things sort of went sideways. So what did you take away from that game? That was really weird. I thought that the Raiders were going to steal this one or something. Yeah, they go up 14-0, probably should have gone up 17-0, I believe. Uh, the Raiders miss a field goal there, too. Chiefs get the ball back and really stop playing around. I don't really know any other way to say it. Like, it felt like, I don't know, when you're, like, you're playing against your little brother, he gets a couple buckets, you know what I mean? And then you're like, all right, man, I got to lock in. I'm shutting him down the rest of the way. 
Who's and, your little brother? Well, see, I don't have a little brother. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> for for most analogies, that would make sense. If you don't, just like imagine right. if you had like a like an imaginary friend or something. I don't know, bro. Anyway, real. so you lock in the rest of the way, right? Kansas and Kansas City did, dude. Spags was on one. So was his defense. The second half, like after they got fourteen pieced, I think we saw the Chiefs like pride come out and. I mean, they swarmed Aiden O'Connell. They stuffed the rush. I was really impressed that the defense bounced back, and I was pretty impressed with the offense, too. Uh, I'll stick with the defense for a second. I think this is the 11th straight game. Uh, They've held opponents under uh, 24 or fewer points. That's an insane streak to keep up, again, especially when you have Patrick Mahomes in this offense behind you. Uh, Big shout-out to Andy Reid in this game. Uh, He surpasses... 125 career wins with Kansas City. He is the first coach ever in NFL history to notch 125 wins with two separate franchises. Uh, Andy is one of the probably top five coaches. He's top 10 definitively. Uh, We'd have to do a Nerd Sesh uh, classic top 10 list to figure out exactly where Andy Reid falls, but he is in that pantheon. Big shout out to him. And then, yeah, without the... Chiefs bounced back. I thought Pacheco caught uh, fires. This game went along, uh, played a lot better. Didn't catch fire, but he played better. Uh, Mahomes had a, a good second half. I thought Rasheed Rice really kicked into gear. You don't ever want to be down 14 nothing to the Raiders, but it was a really, really impressive second half. And again, when they've struggled so much in the second half of games to put up points, it was it was a good bounce back. I'm not ready to crown the Chiefs after this game because, yeah, it's the Raiders, and I still think the Raiders suck. Uh Two things. I want to hear what you thought about the Chiefs in this game, but I also want to know, are the Raiders better than you said they were? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I do think that that defense is pretty respectable, but in the scheme of things, yeah, I guess. Maybe. Maybe I was a little bit too hard on them. They're certainly not a bottom-tier football team. We see a lot of teams this year that are just incompetent. The Giants of the world, the Pats of the world, who, of course, faced off today. I mean, they're a level above the Bears of the world. Right now... The Panthers, yeah. Absolutely. The Panthers might be the worst of all of them. Probably are the worst of all of them. The Raiders are are fine. And I think that what they've done defensively this year has been encouraging. So, yeah, I don't want to rag on them. And they did take the lead in this game. But it felt like a throwback Chiefs game to me. And when I say throwback, I mean, like two to five years ago where they could go down two touchdowns and still win by two touchdowns and it's not surprising and that matters to me just because a this Raiders defense is legitimately solid and we talked last week about how much that offense has struggled to be dynamic at all how much they've struggled to hit that 28 point mark that has been automatic for them in previous seasons with Mahomes, how their receivers have actively cost them just straight up, no two ways about it, two games this season. And are we at the point where that's becoming a concern? Because this is the best defense of Mahomes' career, but it's pretty clearly the worst offense up to this point. So to have a game like this where even if they're slow out the gate, they really start humming, that was encouraging to me. I thought Mahomes was great, and I thought that the receivers made plays. I thought that Sky Moore was good in space. He was shifty, and Rasheed Rice was really, really good. He had that long touchdown, and I continue to think that he is probably a good enough second target for them to win the Super Bowl with because they have Patrick Mahomes and because they have this defense. It's definitely not ideal, but I do like Rasheed. So there's nothing shocking in this game, but it's just good to see 
a little bit of that classic Kansas City magic. It's not like they went crazy in this game, but they did what they do. They erased deficits. It's Patrick Mahomes. They put up 31, and we haven't seen that all that much this year. Okay. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last game we're going to touch on actually was not today because we didn't do a show after Thanksgiving. And Not a whole lot to write home about from those games necessarily, but the most surprising outcome for sure was the Lions losing to the Packers, a Lions team that came into that game 8-2. and How concerned are you about that, Logan? (laughs) Just concerned about Jared Goff pulling a Jared Goof, man, and doing it to us. I mean, that's really the... That that feels like the one thing that could pop a pin in the or two things. Two things could could pop the Lions balloon. And that's Jared Goof. Just <laughs> damn, man. I wanna like that. Jared Goff. I wanna like Jared Goff. Yeah. And then he fumbles three times. The second thing, thank you for holding it up for me, for confirming. The second yep. thing that could get the Lions is this defense in this secondary. And that's where I thought Jordan Love. 
Jordan Love has looked a lot better these past couple weeks. And I want to give him yes. props because I was one of them. I put, <laughs> I think I put Jordan Love below Kenny Pickett in my quarterback tier, something I'm not too proud of. Oh, he's, my God. He's looked a lot better these past few weeks. Poise, airing it out downfield, not being super conservative, because that was my big concern with Love is it's like, He's making big-time mistakes, he's making big errors, and he's also not getting you them back with big plays. You know, he's checking a lot of stuff down, taking underneath stuff. He stretched the field out a little more, he's protected the rock, and he's looked a lot more poised. Again, uh, I saw some stat where they put up, you know, the first X game of Aaron Rodgers versus the first X game of Jordan Love, and it was very similar. So, Bill Walsh, one of my favorite NFL quotes about quarterbacks, you need 24 games, we need a season and a half, and I think that's the due diligence and the credit that we should at least give to Jordan Love before we can make a final distinction. We have yet to see that. So things are encouraging for Jordan Love. And for Detroit, it's that's my one that's my one concern, man. And and it's frustrating because we've seen Goff have these games where the running game isn't going for Detroit and he carries the team. And big credit to him after the first half. He bounced back in a big way and put this team in a position. Uh, to have a chance to win the game. And he just doesn't get it done. You can't fumble the ball three times. I put that on his shoulders. It's the secondary for me. It's Jared Goof for me. That's what holds the Lions back from being a top-tier contender. There is still a little bit of uh, that Jared Goof volatility, man. Yeah. Those are the two red flags that I think we would have highlighted. And those are the two red flags that have come back to bite them in recent weeks. I can't overlook that. I mean, we've mm. had this conversation about who's number three in the NFC. Is it them or is it Dallas? We've gone back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely team Dallas again, man. With the level that Dak has been playing at for this last five plus weeks, with how suffocating that defense is, I still would have Dallas three, but the talent gap has been emphasized as some of these Lions flaws that they were covering up have resurfaced back-to-back -back weeks of golf with three or more turnovers over the last five weeks the lions are the number 31 scoring defense and everybody everybody is eating against them the ravens put up 500 plus yards the chargers put up 38 on them justin fields went crazy jordan love had the best game of his career and i do want to give him credit because this little redemption arc that we're seeing from him is awesome. I haven't been super high on Love. I've talked about how I think he's like a low-end starter, a guy who's going to keep his job in the league, who's going to be a starter for years, but not somebody who any one franchise is going to build around. That was my feeling about him. But what we're seeing right now is impressive. Like these last two weeks have been his best, and we're seeing a more accurate Jordan Love, I think, a guy who can push the ball downfield. We're also seeing some of the athleticism and playmaking. I mean, it's just a really nice couple of games from him that's encouraging, but you also can't ignore that everybody's kind of doing this to the Lions right now, and you can only go so far if you suck defensively and your quarterback, who had been so mistake-averse for a season and a half, suddenly his worst tendencies are showing up again as well. Yeah, it's frustrating because there's a lot of things that you really love about the Detroit Absolutely. Lions. The and they're still going to win a playoff game. I think, I think. so too. I, and mean, you know what? Be that three seed. And I'm still the not six with seed you. Is going to suck. I still can't put Dallas over them. I know Dak's been balling. I know wow. Deron Bland has been going crazy. I I do think the Cowboys' defense is better. Like if we were looking at this as just like a straight up 
<laughs> like, two-way, maybe the Cowboys are the better football team. I can't take the Cowboys' culture. I can't. That's what's going to take them from, from being three. And maybe that's nitpicky. Maybe that's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, maybe that's illogical, but... I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Lions, and they're, both right. of these teams have their flags. I just can't put Dallas back up there because they haven't done it against what good team have the Dallas Cowboys beat? Who? Yeah, they haven't really beaten a good team yet. Who? I mean, the Chargers are maybe the best team that they've beaten. It's not very compelling. But also, what good team have the Lions beat since Kansas City? And maybe you're not super impressed by the Cowboys just beating up on bad teams, but, like, the Cowboys are beating teams by 15 points per game. The Lions are beating teams by three points per game. I do think they're just better all around. As fun as the Lions have been, and this is still a great season for them, but, again, some of those Achilles heels are showing up again. So, that's all we've got for today, except Baker Mayfield and the Bucks suck, Logan. Thoughts? No! Yes, yes, sadly, yes. And, and how they lost to Baker, you're killing me, bruh. Yeah, Bad Baker has come out to play these last few weeks. As uh, I think most of us saw coming, <laughs> except for you, Logan. You got lost in those eyes, man. You got lost in those progressive commercials. You wanted a little bit of Baker magic, and I can't blame you. But it was fleeting, as so many great things are in this life. So... With that, again, hope you guys all enjoyed the holiday. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving and hope you enjoyed this show. Appreciate you listening. If you did enjoy, then you can find all of our full shows on the Nerd Sesh YouTube page with video and you can listen across audio platforms. And if you enjoyed, feel free to give us a rate and review there if you want to. You can also follow us across social, TikTok and Instagram at Nerd Sesh, Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh. You can join our Discord that is at the link tree across our social media bios. If you want to talk NFL, NBA, be part of our community. And you can check out our merch. Logan is wearing the hat. We've got shirts. We've got hoodies. We've got the flags behind us. All of that also at our link tree or at thevolume.com. So with that, as always, I have been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, 
and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.